are you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War Report, Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night war, war Room, room. With, your host, with your host, C. Doe. It's your boy C. The Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike. G. G. Get your weight up, strength and conditioning, development. Ike Jones. Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you ready? Because we are now locked and loaded for the Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! Speaking of spring, spring football is back. Auburn football actually released its 2022 spring roster. Mm. And there was some noticeable weight gains. Some guys in the offseason getting their weight up. Uh... To mention a few, Garner Langlo uh, gained 23 pounds now now over, or he's at 300. Caden Bridges gained 21 pounds. Mm. What was noticeable was Zion Puckett gained 18 pounds. He's yeah, now Zion at 227. Zion Puckett out linebacker size, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that was very noticeable. Uh, what was also stood out to me was Aku Leota actually put on 17 plus pounds. Um, since returning since the last roster was listed, so he's at 257. So uh, that's very interesting. Joko Willis put on 16. He's at 212. Zeke Walker is at 304. He picked up 15. Marcus Harris put on some. Um, I think much needed weight. He gained 15. He's at 294 from 279. Mm-hmm. So these guys actually are putting on some weight. I think what was also noticeable was, I think a lineman Tate Johnson actually lost 27 pounds. And so he's down under 300. He's sub 300 now at 285, according to what was recently released. Of course, there were some uh, guys noticed, mentioned their New Jersey numbers. Jay Fair, uh, Rhyme, and Eugene Asante, the linebacker transfer from North Carolina. want to talk to you guys just about, you know, one of the things we emphasize is strength and conditioning. Uh, we talked about how guys last year, that was a big topic as guys were putting on weight and just Bodies just look different. How do we feel about seeing some of these guys like the Aculiotas, uh, some guys on in the trenches putting on extra weight? I'll start with you, my G. Uh, listen, hashtag get your weight up is what the offseason mission is. Uh, so uh, some of these weight, these weight changes, I'm like, man, these guys ate hella Guthrie's this offseason. <laughs> but... Um, they are. This is year two. This is year two of this offseason strength and conditioning program. We talked to TJ Finley about it on his interview. Um, and th- those guys raved about this offseason program last offseason because it was very different from what they were doing. So what they are doing is taking a different approach. You can be strong and fast. There was an idea before in traditional strength and conditioning that getting stronger meant or putting on bulk meant, meant giving up significant speed. It's a, they're a different breed these days. These two 30, 240 linebackers can run four fives and come get you. So it, it just is what it is. We, we need that. We need to be, we, not only do we need to get our weight up, we need to be durable this upcoming season. We got to be bulletproof this upcoming season. You do that in the weight room. So I, I'm happy to see some of the weight gain. It's a good thing. That's a good thing. You have you have two months essentially from the end of bowl game to well two and a half months, yeah, from the end of bowl game to the beginning of spring practice 
to change your body significantly. You'll get a few more months during the summer because you got you have to ease off some of that weightlifting once you start to get into practice. They'll still lift weights, but it's not as intense. I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think, I think that this is, you might see a different team. Guys like Jarquez Hunter who, who came in squatting the Empire State Building in year two, he's going to be breaking every tackle. If you come at his legs, he, he might be breaking every tackle. And if you try to tackle him up high, good luck. Yeah. I mean, I, oh man, I'm, I'm excited about it. This is going to be something, you know, when you look at some of the, uh, you know, schools like Alabama and Georgia, the, these guys, a lot of them, especially on defense, just look like physical specimens. You can tell, like, man, they look so developed physically. And, you know, we've had a few guys like that, but Brian Harson is trying to, you know, you know, put these uh, put these guys in their Captain America machine and, and get it going. I'm I'm with it. Let's do it. Looks good. So a position group. There's two position groups that stands out about this. I want to kind of get um, some guys' takes on this. What stood out to me was I saw some linemen on this group, um, particularly some guys we've recruited recently, and Colby Smith and. Killian Zaire, uh, who was here last year, obviously, who actually played. But also we had Garner Langlo. These are some O-line guys who are actually beefing up. So how good is how how significant is it to see some of our young O-linemen who's had a chance to come in, get familiar with what's being asked of them, but also have a time have an opportunity to build their strength get bigger, get more physical in the offseason. Ike, I'll go with you. Yeah, listen, um, I echo the sentiments here of John Brandon. Um, the weight gain is good if it's muscle, right? Like you don't want to come in overweight and, and out of shape. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but if you are putting on some good weight, uh, especially at offensive line, when we talk about our difficulty with um, being able to run block, right? Like you just need people movers out there if you're going to be a run blocker. You can't get pushed around in the run game. So if you're getting stronger and bigger uh, offensive linemen out there, you have a better chance of being good in the run game. Um, and that's why, again, this is one of those things where I feel like people have to pump the brakes on making, um, just getting overly concerned about, oh, we, what are we going to do? We don't know what the change is going to be in some of these guys in this offseason, specifically offensive line. We had a lot of people who didn't see a single snap last year. And I caution people on thinking that's because they weren't good, right? Like they might not have been the right size and they might've needed another year of development. But with that year of development, they may come out here and be an awesome unit. Um, and then we've got a lot of experience that can help them get acclimated quickly. So it's not as if we don't have people who know the system already and, it's, and we've got some young people movers that can come in and step in and start playing. So we do have a possibility to be a good football team next year, but it's way too early to make assessments about that. And I just want people to, you know, um, relax. I've said it plenty of times. Chill out, man. We, we're good. It's, it's March. It's March. Agreed. It's not time to hit the panic button on the football team. We still got a lot of time to figure out who we got in the rooms. Indeed. So. Indeed. B. Will, uh, some linebackers actually put on some weight. Uh, the opportunity, again, uh, with with Jacoby McClain, 
moving on to to the next level. Joko Willis put on some weight. Cam Riley put on some weight. He put on 11 pounds. Cam Riley's at 230. Uh, also, Wesley Steiner put on some weight. He's at 237. Uh, what do you make about this linebacker uh, position group as it's supposed to, expected to be a lot of competition in this spring? Some guys have a great opportunity, but they're all we obviously they're making gains in the weight room before practice even starts. What do you make of that position group seeing those guys get bigger, stronger? I mean, it, it's too early to tell exactly what we've got there because linebacker is an instinctual position, I think the best instincts make the best linebackers. And I'm glad that these guys are fit. Of course, we we want though them to be solid. We want them to be able to stand up to the punishment that you have to take in the run game um, while you're defending as a linebacker. We we want to make sure that they don't, you know, fall by the wayside, injuries start eating away at people because we won't have a lot of experience depth. So the guys that are in there, we need them to stay in there and get experienced so they can be, uh, steeled by by midseason and kind of get into a groove, and we also want whoever that is in there. We if if we've got, I, mean, I guess Papo probably has the most experience of any returning linebacker. We don't want him to go down for three quarters of a season again. I mean that's kind of worst case. The one guy who's no who knows what should be going on out there isn't out there anymore, and you do not want a whole core of linebackers learning on the fly. We lost our alpha dog in twenty twenty a linebacker, and they look lost without Kenny Britt pretty much the entire rest of the season. Our, our run defense was atrocious um, with, with Britt going down. And that's with some really good linebackers already there, but they weren't ex- experienced as Britt was in the middle. So we want them to be out there, stay healthy, get that experience so we can have a really good unit. So I think we're on the way to that. But whether or not we've got a guy who is as valuable, a single guy who is as valuable as Zacoby McClain was, um, we won't know because Zacoby McClain was so good. You're not taking him off the field to anybody else at that spot the one time we did it went great so <laughs> um i'm hoping that we have that guy whether it's i don't care who it is cam riley it could be uh, we've still got woodyard right he was rehabbing from an injury that we signed him and he coming in we've got pieces we've got pieces um i'm not concerned about the pieces because i've heard that our position coach coach robinson is a good coach and he was a good linebacker so that's exciting that we have somebody who is good at coaching that position, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm glad their bodies are going to be ready, but man, they've got a lot to catch up to mentally to be able to be extremely good at that position. Indeed, indeed. Uh, let's let's talk let's talk about the offensive coordinator Eric Keesaw actually speaking with the media, and he was asked about the QB competition. Of course, he didn't give no nothing, no specifics saying that there was pretty much no timeline. But what was interesting about spring practice was actually seeing Zach Calzada out there participating in some drills. He had on a yellow jersey, which means that meant that he was going to be limited, but he is participating in the drills. So my, my assumption was that Calzada would probably be very limited, may not even factor at all in the competition this spring but do you guys see him actually playing a factor this spring seeing as though he's already out there participating in drills 
Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Build the Rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's it's uh it's not, it's more than just the uh, scrimmage type situations. They'll probably keep them out of those, but yeah. um, the the one on ones, you know, those individual drills where you're throwing essentially against air to get timing down with the receivers. That's that's a big part of this QB battle. A lot of a lot of the stuff against air where you're just consistently trying to show the coaches that you're going to throw a good ball. So what is that, right? That's the right velocity with good placement. It's a good ball. Uh, you, you have one without the other, and you've got uncertainty in that throw. So they're trying to take the uncertainty out of our passing game from, the, from that aspect. It is really, really difficult. We've talked to pro receivers. It's difficult to play your position when you have no idea where the ball is going to be on routine throws. You're constantly having to adjust to wide-open routine throws. Production will be limited. We had two guys that went pro, and their draft profile said just that. Production was limited due to inaccurate throws from the quarterback position. That has been a theme at Auburn for a while. Guys like Nick Marshall, right? Can you imagine if, if Marshall was accurate? He threw, he threw a decent ball, but you know, he did a good job getting the ball to the receivers. But ultimately, sometimes playmaking was um, limited. Like, listen, we all love the prayer in Jordan Air. That was a terrible throw. Yeah, it was. It was an yeah. awful throw. Yeah. Right. He actually missed a, a wide-open receiver in a championship game, too, in the first drive of the game. Yeah, I'm telling you. That would have looked like it was going to be a touchdown. It would have been six if he Yeah, it was going to be six. Money. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, you know, hey, it's more than just about, hey, he caught it, or, you know, if you get your hands on it, you got to catch it. I hate that. Let's stop saying that in 2022, right? <laughs> ball placement matters. You got to get the ball. That was TJ's problem as well, too, in the three games that he played. Yeah. Ball placement. Overthrown receivers, and, 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 and but he, oh, he dropped some dimes, but you got to do that consistently. Yep. Your next throw can't be in the stands. And then you and the throw after that is is right on the money. That's very frustrating for a receiver, especially when you're wide open. Yeah. Looking to make a play. So if I'm having to do all this to catch the ball, you also give the defensive back time to get back to recover. Yeah, for sure. If he's beat. An underthrown deep ball brings the defensive back back into the play. An overthrown deep ball just kills it. <laughs> so we've got we that's what they're that's what they're gonna be trying to establish early in spring practice. And if you listen to Brian Harson's comments on this, he said, listen, you're gonna have a bunch of guys and they're gonna look great, but at some point, somebody's gotta separate themselves in this quarterback battle. That's where you start to separate early in quarterback in the quarterback competition. Consistency in the little things. Is the quick out, is it where it needs to be? Can, and are you giving the running backs and the receivers a chance to make a play after the catch because you threw a good ball? 
say it with me, like it, it, it's not just getting it to the receiver or to the running back. How you throw the ball matters. There are all different kinds of throws. Right. When you hear them talk about throwing with touch, that's it. It's the balance between velocity and ball placement. And to place the ball where it needs to be sometimes, sometimes you got to take a lot off of it or just to make it catchable. You can't go out there and throw fastballs and then expect these and then blame the receivers for dropping it. <laughs> I don't I I I really I, I will die on that hill too. If we have a bunch of drops, I'm definitely I'm always looking at how how are those balls thrown? It's not always on the receiver or are we setting our receivers up to get killed? Leading them over the middle or not dropping, setting, you know, uh, uh, you know, some of the best throws that are made between a quarterback or a receiver is when the quarterback sees the, where the defender's at and he leads the receiver where he needs to go to keep him from getting his head taken off. I'll put this low and I'm going to sit him down because the safety's coming. They're going to be looking at those things. Now, we have to, we have that. This year, I'm telling you, Auburn's going to shock a lot of people. And suddenly, these receivers are going to look so great, and everybody's going to like, oh, they made all this progress in the offseason. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's how you start to separate. That's what they're going to be looking at. Keysal and Harson are responsible for that product. So everybody's clear. <laughs> this is a joint venture between our head coach and our newly uh, 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 crowned offensive coordinator. They're, they're going to be responsible for the, uh, the uh, product at quarterback. And I would challenge each and every one of these quarterbacks that once the spring is over, go out and find yourself a QB coach. Find somebody to work with in the offseason on the fundamentals and the mechanics. Creating that consistency. Yeah. That's what you have to do. So, you know, I mean, what makes a good shooter, Ike, right? Your shooting motion is the same every time. You practice 100 shots at the free throw line because you're not shooting every free throw differently. Right. You know, a quarterback, when you, again, you have to practice these different throws and you need to be able to make them the same way every time. You're not doing, you're not, you're not developing that skill in, 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 in these scrimmage situations in practice, guys. You're deploying it in those situations. You're developing that in the fundamental drills. And in the offseason, when you put work in with your receivers, when, when no coaches are watching. That's where a lot of these quarterback battles are won and lost. <laughs> and all the stuff that's done when nobody's watching. So this spring, we're, we're going to see early, and when he talks about separation, it should happen fairly quickly. You're going to be able to tell the guys who whatever they were working on from January to March, did it stick? Yeah. And you have to eliminate people pretty quickly from this competition or you're going to have like a mess. You're going to need, you got you to figure out who's getting the reps with who, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you can get through those rotations with two or three maybe, but if you're if all five guys are, are right there on par with one another, it's going to be a big problem trying to figure out how to consistently get groups together on the field and run things together. Right? Yep. Yeah. Question about the offense. Uh, Kisa also mentioned that 
there's going to be obviously some similarities with this year's offense as opposed to last year's offense. But what one of the things that he said that stu- stood out to me was they were going to build a foundation that's centered around Tank and centered around our running backs. Um, they definitely, he kind of reiterated something that Harson said last year as it pertains to the identity of this team as being a downhill run offense. Um, they says they built, will try to do some things differently to cater to what tank can do in terms of his running style. And even mentioned as far as going, as far as studying what teams in the NFL are doing with running back talent, like tank, uh, what I want to ask you guys, and I'll, I'll start with you, Ike on this. One of the things that was really frustrating is that there were times when the run game was working, Mm. but we went away from it for the sake of being balanced. So there's a there's a balancing effort in terms of keeping the defense honest, but maintaining your identity, especially if it's working. Moving forward, what do we expect to see out of this offense? Do they lean into their strengths and things they're able to do well and take what the defense is giving them? Or do they switch it up just for the sake of it? I'm hoping that we just go with what what's working, right? Just continue to work with what's working. But I think a lot of what is going to be successful in terms of whether or not we can maintain balance is going to come back down to what Mike was just talking about. And that's how well the quarterback is doing at being accurate with the football. Because even in those instances where we're like, oh man, why didn't we just run the ball there? Some of those times the play was open. We just missed it um, from, you know, whether it's a receiver dropping a pass or a quarterback not hitting a guy or choosing the wrong guy to go to on the um, route decision, right? Like, it wasn't all just poor play calling, but I do hope that we understand when we're being dominant up front and we, we've got to, we have to just continue to do what's working as opposed to going away from it, for, like you said, for the sake of balance. I don't care anything about balance and hopefully they don't care anything about balance when it is at the, uh, the detriment of productivity on our offense, mm-hmm. as, especially in situations where you know you, it's going to be a, a close game, right? So listen, let's just choke the clock out on them. And if we have two, maybe three or four good running backs on this roster, sub a guy out, let somebody else in and get him some work, right? Like just keep pe- moving people out of the way and keep running the ball down their throat. That can be a recipe for winning. I know this is the day and age of everybody wants to have, you know, 400 yards uh, through the air and all that kind of stuff. Listen, man, I don't care. Win the game. And if it takes us running the ball, you know, 40 times in that game to do that, and that's what we need to do. Just be committed to a winning strategy. Uh, be will, I'll say this last question for you guys. If you want to chime in, feel free. But Jeff Smetting also talked to the media uh, about his side of the ball and just mentioned the fact that there's competition everywhere. Uh, our starters are pretty much intact for the most part. Uh, on D-line, but we lost a lot of guys in terms of depth. And so there's a lot of competition there as well. You talk about, we already mentioned linebacker position with Zacoby McClain being gone. Uh, Owen Papo is out this spring. So that leaves a lot of opportunity. Of course, we know what we're missing uh, in the defensive backs. But to you, what's the most important position group on the defensive side of the ball to watch this spring? Mm, that's a, I think it's linebacker. I think it's linebacker because we have the least amount of experience there. In the secondary, we've got Juco guys, but we're talking about guys who have been playing college ball for, for two years, and they were really good Juco guys. I think they were the number one safety. We got the number one corner in Juco. 
We've got some experience, even if they aren't experienced running what we're about to run in the defensive backfield. But the linebacker, we've got Papo, who had uh, a solid two years, but he his third year, he didn't play much. Um, he still has some things to improve upon, even when he did play. We've got a transfer from North Carolina, Eugene Asante. I honestly don't know how much he's actually played in his four years of eligibility, but I don't think he was a starter for three of those years. He doesn't have so many games under his belt. We've got a lot of guys back there. Joko Willis, he essentially redshirted, but um, we've, we've got people, Cam Riley, um, Wesley Steiner. They've seen the field, but they have not seen the field consistently. His dog? Yeah. I forgot about Tisdall. So we've got to figure out who our one, two, and three is, are. Excuse me. We've got to figure out who those guys are. And I think it's going to be a little bit of, I don't want to say it's going to be dicey early, but how do we know which one of them fits best as the middle linebacker? Who's going to, we know Steiner's the smartest guy on the field from all reports from everybody, but is he going to take on those responsibilities of calling the plays, getting everybody lined up? Or is there somebody who's a better physical presence there instead of Steiner. They've got they've got a lot to figure out there. I think that's where we're most up in the air. But I mean that's why you got coaches, man. And and again, I'm putting a lot of let's say I think the fact that everything's settled and the people who are here want to be here makes the process of finding the right guys a lot easier. You don't have to play people because you think, well if I don't play him, I don't have anybody else. So even though I'm not really okay with how you carry yourself I'm going to play you anyway. We we don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about whether somebody's going to bolt because you don't play them enough snaps in any given game. I think everybody who's here wants to be here. So I think that makes it a lot easier to just find the right guys, put them on the field, and the people who aren't on the field will actually be supportive and continue to improve in practice. <laughs> William Nichols says, I saw a report where during practice, the new wide receiver coach called that group. Uh, a shit show right now. Does this concern y'all with Keysaw taking over QBs? Is he calling mm. QBs a shit show or the wide receiver? No, the wide, receiver. wide, receiver. wide receivers. He's receivers. asking like with Keysaw moving. I, I don't think it concerns me just because he's new with this group and trying to figure out. Uh, I mean, Keysaw had more experience with that group, um, but I don't think that, again, it's March. So no, I'm not concerned today. If he still feels like that in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I would also warn everybody against coach speak. Right. I don't know the context for this this report. Right. So when people say report, I'm like, okay, was this like a was this a message board thing, or did somebody actually write this? You know, if, is there a link to to the context in which he said that? But you know, when the coaches are out there coaching hard, man, they will say a lot of things that sound yeah. bad. Right. And yeah. so I could easily say, see him being early. It's he's, this group is new to him. He's seeing things he right. doesn't like. And then he says something like that. And you got to remember where he came from, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. Listen, yeah, they're <laughs> like not like mincing words up there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've heard Tomlin's hot mics, man. Like, I just, I don't know. So I, I wouldn't read too much into I just wouldn't read too much into that at this point. Yeah. And I think Ike brings up a great point. It's just March. He's saying this in October. Yes, we should. Yeah. Be, we should be deeply concerned if it's. Yeah, still I mean, that you got way. a lot of new guys in that group, um, and a coach that is trying to figure out how to coach guys to be successful 
not just in this program, but just as wide receivers in general, uh, a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience, they're likely going to look like that early. But the right. question is, how hard are they willing to work and how quickly can they get acclimated? Not necessarily where they are day, what is this, three, day two of spring right. practice? So, yeah, not concerned yet, but definitely um, something to keep an eye on. I think we all expected the wide receiver group to need some work and and uh, hopefully, based upon the track record of, of this coach, he's going to put them in a position to be successful. Um, and if they can get 70% of where they need to be before we start playing um, games in the fall, I think that that's good because we have to remember how – terrible our wide receivers looked early last year right yeah. like so yeah that yeah we, we definitely have some work to do in that group there's no denying that but i'm not worried about it day two day three